are Heather and Shyla, the regional managers of Brown's Global Field Team. I am Heather, I'm based in the UK, and I do some programmes in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, and now the Americas region. Hello, I'm Shyla, I'm based in Hong Kong, and I oversee programmes in Asia Pacific. Each episode of Culture Talks, different members of the Global Skills team will join us on the podcast to pull back the curtain of cultural training, bust the myth and do this with our own stories and examples on different topics each episode. We want to showcase the impact and the scope of cultural training. Last episode of Culture Talks, we looked at people's needs, the considerations that people have on calls with us. This episode, we're shifting our focus to look at workplace and even corporate needs and discuss how and why cultural training and cultural tools can support. So we're busting the myth that culture culture begins and ends with global relocation. The reality is that culture impacts every part of our personal and professional lives, and we need to become culturally agile. So today we're joined by our Global Skills Director, Joe Donnell, appearing as our solutions expert. Welcome to Culture Talks, Joe. Please introduce yourself. Well, hello from Chicago. Um, as you said, I'm the Global Skills Director, which is a pretty broad role. It kind of encompasses operations, marketing, product development. But most of my work is about listening to the challenges that clients have and uncovering whether it's a cultural element and then coming up with solutions to help them overcome those challenges. Um, So you can probably hear I'm a UK national, even though I live in Chicago and I've been here for almost 20 years. So have my own personal experience of culture as well. And you also oversee us, a multicultural, (laughs) multi-located team. We have um, Americans, British, Czech, Australian and Brazilian nationals within our global skills team and we've all lived in countries not of our birth. For example, I'm British but you know I'm of Indian origin. So we walk the talk with cultural diversity and awareness. We try to have global skills. We all have different styles and we have a and we have to adapt how how to do things in each region. So let's consider, how does culture show up in the workplace, Joe? And how do you manage that in our cultural, multicultural team? Well, you're kind of a complicated bunch. So uh, (laughs) yeah, right, we we do have to walk the walk, but I think it would be fair to say that we stumble from time to time. So it's not like I have all the answers to give here, but just a few things that I think we do consciously. So we have a language to talk about culture in our everyday work. So we take our profiles. I think it's important that we all understand and look at issues through a cultural lens. And so as a team, I encourage everyone to do that and then create space for everyone to talk. So so we know everyone's culturally different. How people process information is very different. Some people like to react in the moment. And some people like to be more considered if they're going to have to say something in a meeting. So just recently, you might have noticed I started sending out pre-work for our global calls and Mm. sending out the agenda. And I think that just makes sure that everyone comes to the meeting comfortable to participate. Um, And that comfort element is really important. We've all got to be honest about the discomfort that comes with working in a multicultural team. Sometimes it doesn't always feel natural. 
um, you know, area of discomfort for me, for example, is talking about emotions. And so I have to get <laughs> and we very tried to make you get touchy feely on global that, calls, Joe. <laughs> all of that, yes, yes. But for some people, that's important in a relationship is is connecting on that human level. So we've done what what we've just done there, which is we have humor. And we use humor in a way to kind of navigate any cultural discomfort. And then just I think it's really important to, to make space for relationships to be built in different ways, whether it's formally or informally. So we, you know, we have team talk where we just chat about stuff at the start of a call. We have that Teams channel where we can mm -hmm. share personal information and connect as humans, not just colleagues. And I think we do a really nice job of celebrating celebrating everyone's personal and professional successes so that we feel valued as individuals in the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last thing on that Teams channel is a picture of me and an Elsa crown with an <laughs> mug. And so far, no one's said anything ever since that. <laughs> I think we were speechless. Um, but yeah, it is nice to have that. And I think when Shyla and I were preparing for this call and we were thinking about examples from our team um, and how culture is, has kind of maybe shown up in, in our workplace, we were thinking, so last year, Joe. You set us um, a regional manager team goal. Now, for anyone listening and thinking, well, Heather and Shyla are sounding very professional today. Joe is actually our boss. Um, <laughs> so this True. is why we've got our best behaviour on. Um, cool. But Joe, so last year when you set us a, a, a team manager, a, a regional manager team goal, as we got further into the goal, it, it kind of became apparent that we had different ideas about what the success of that goal was going to look like. And that was really interesting to try and navigate. You know, there was Shyla and I and our US colleagues. And in the US, success is, is tangible. And it's about completion and, and documenting at work. And, you know, I'm in a British kind of coming out like I want context. I want background. I want to understand everything so that I'm really happy moving forward to the next part of it. I mean, Shyla, what about what was it for you? So to be really honest, it was really about relationships. I was just happy to do a goal together as a team. Yeah. And you know, just just talk to get talk about it and, you know, create a, a common goal together. And don't right. you think, Heather, it would have been challenging if we didn't have such a strong personal relationship between totally. us and the team, you know, wondering what was going on. And we, we actually we just talked about it. Right. Because we had the right. language to talk about what was going on and it was comfortable. So that just totally. shows it really did show when we you know working together as a global team, how language of culture can really help to mm. put um, get down to the bottom of some of those like nuances. Yeah. And for anyone wondering, I think we smashed the goal, didn't we? Of course we did. <laughs> oh, from my memory, we did anyway. <laughs> we did well and also you know just on that point about virtual working together in a virtual environment I'm based in Hong Kong right so I usually take the, the time zone for me is usually quite, quite late at night because it's out of work hours kind of thing sort of towards the end of the day and Joe as you said it's so helpful when you send an agenda ahead of time it gives me a, a little bit you know time to sleep on it or you know and I can sort of like when I'm making dinner for the family I'm thinking a little bit about it in advance that really makes me feel like you know, this is a team that respects the fact that we are working in a different time zone, but culturally as well, it gives me time to process. And, you know, I think we could talk about our examples like for a long time, and we often do, but maybe this isn't the podcast. Um, Joe, obviously you're very client facing. 
um, and you talk with our clients about how they manage multicultural teams. Can you give us like some of the examples of the best ways that you've seen clients do it? I can, but I actually really enjoyed that little section as well and hearing about how you all navigate <laughs> the culture together. I felt like I was listening to a client meeting there a little bit. Like, oh, so could do this, could do that. But I think um, you're right. I spend a lot of time talking to clients and usually when I get involved, it's it's one of two things. Something's gone wrong. <laughs> so we're trying to mm -hmm. fix it mm -hmm. or they're trying to prevent something happening. And actually one of my favorite prevention examples completely busts that myth too so we worked with a european headquartered company who were putting a fairly senior um new financial lead into the the headquarters office but they were relocating them from china so they were doing the the cultural training support that you do to support an assignee but they recognized that the team that this chinese national was going to be leading also needed to have cultural training so that right. there was a, a mutual responsibility for the success mm. of this new team. And so rather than wait till something went wrong, they wanted to prevent that or give people the tools to understand what it meant to be led by somebody from a different culture. And I love that example so much because to me, it's, it seems really simple. If you want to put a sporting analogy to it, you wouldn't as a coach just give the tactics and the and the gameplay strategy to just one person on the team like maybe the goalkeeper if it's if it's football and I do mean the one where you kick it not the one where you throw it so you wouldn't <laughs> just one. give the the proper one you wouldn't just give the instruction to the goalkeeper and expect them to take total responsibility for the match play you're going to give it to the whole team so it's a shared responsibility and I really think that's just a great example of how it's not just all about assignments and something for the sports fans Something for the sports fans as well. Exactly. Now, if I was going to give another example, um, it, it would be something that has no no kind of inclusion of any assignments at all. And it was a, a luxury goods retailer that was based in New York, so the northeast of, of America and had outsourced all of its supply chain function and management to China. This was a brand new endeavor. And they quickly realized that they were having significant challenges with communication, particularly um, around elements like deadlines, production schedules, um, delivery. And they were asking questions. Are you going to meet that deadline? Are you going to be able to achieve that that product delivery? And as anybody that's worked in Asia or worked with people from Asia, that's a very loaded question. You know, when you start firing mm -hmm. questions off like that, expecting a very direct answer, you are going to run into challenges. And so we were able to work with them on intercultural communication with the people in New York, but then also with the people in China so that they could get past, why is that person being so rude to me? Why are they, why are they yelling at me? Um, why are they being so, so abrupt with me? Now, what I love about this is this company really embraced it. They created a mutual um, cultural communication charter. Now, it's a luxury goods company. So what they did is they created these beautiful little glass blocks with the charter etched on it. And everyone wow. had them on their desk. I know. I love that. I love that. Maybe that's why it's my favorite. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I think what they did is they embraced it. They created this language of culture and they made language something that they considered throughout 
their interactions with each other. And it's just a great illustration of how culture is interwoven into our everyday working lives. Mm. So, yeah, so recommending that everyone gets into crystal etching, right? That'll, uh... Exactly. That's it. <laughs> that, that's the takeaway from that story. Yes. <laughs> But I think that's so right, isn't it? It's giving everyone the same tools and language. And I love that that's, it's co-created. You get everyone's buy-in, you get everyone's input and expertise. You know, you're upskilling the whole team. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And then this just shows you can't escape culture in the workplace, right? Mm. So, so, so Joe, what, what do we do with it? We, you know, as a team, we're lucky that culture is high on our radar. But how do other companies ensure a focus on noticing cultural differences? So, you know, we get it. And how do you maintain that awareness and focus on cultural agility in the workforce? Well, it's a big topic. So as my grandmother would say, you approach it like eating an elephant one bite at a time. So I think the the best (laughs) the best place to start is to build your own self-awareness, your own cultural self-awareness. Now, when I came to the US, I was lucky enough to go through an assessment program. I took a number of inventories that looked at areas, not, not just my cultural profile, but areas like tolerance for change, ability to handle ambiguity and things like that. Now, on paper, I didn't look like a good candidate because I didn't do great on some of those. But the point of the program was to build my awareness so that I could handle them going forward and they weren't a surprise. And to this day, I still refer back to those. I was lucky enough to spend some time in Sweden working on a project very different to my everyday role and responsibilities and a country that I'd never spent time in. And I spent time preparing for that by going through those inventories and really focusing on how do I work in an intercultural situation. So take responsibility and build your own self-awareness. And I think that's a great first step for building and maintaining it. I I, I hear you because Joe, I've been here in 20 years in Asia and I still refer to some of those cultural assessments that I did. I've just recently taken mine again. And, you know, when I have a, for example, a sales meeting virtually with a Japanese sales team, I actually look back on my profile and check in and see, okay, you know, what am I going to sort of like need to flex myself a little bit according to my style? I mean, I I have that that example where I was in a a non-Chinese speaking environment. I was the only, you know, non-Chinese, sorry, I was in a Chinese speaking environment. I was the only non-Chinese speaking person. Mm. And I use my cultural receptors by reading the room, checking out the hierarchy play, you know, who sits where and who speaks first. And this was all like the, the assessment helped me also to sort of like understand like where, you know, where, what is my cultural knowledge of how meetings are conducted in China? So referring back to those assessments are a great way of just getting reading, reading the room properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's really, I think, to maintain cultural agility, you can you can really do that by engineering like, different conversations between your workforce you know it's what we do in trainings but you know we also for example we were asked to I was asked to facilitate um, a conversation internally at Crown you know Crown Fine Art the London team um, had a colleague who was relocating from Crown India and they'd all noticed some cultural differences and they wanted to talk about it so everybody took their culturaltraining.com profile so their cultural profile um, that we use in training so that they had a visual 
um, in front of them. And it meant that they were able to talk about each other's like norms and behaviors using a different language. And it didn't feel like people were pointing the finger and like getting too personal. So it really created a different an opportunity maybe for a different perspective to relate to each other. Um, and that was just that was just really nice to be able to know that you were blending team building and then also tangible tools. So, so people had something to refer to to the continue those conversations. Um, and actually, Joe, we've mentioned tools quite a few times um, today. Can you talk a little bit more about those tools and maybe some of their uses? So there are a lot on the market right now. Um, we primarily use two here at Crown. We use culturaltraining.com and the intercultural readiness check. Um, and they have two very different functions. One is it's about specifically comparing your cultural profile against other target cultures. So there's a very direct comparison with with action mm. steps um, and we build that into our intercultural training and we use the intercultural readiness check more as a skill gap analysis for people preparing to go on assignment thinking about an assignment um, but it's actually got a much broader use than that because it's handling um, issues like intercultural communication processing information change and ambiguity management we we just recently used it as part of recruitment. This is one of those stumbles that I think I mentioned earlier. I can't believe right. we've never done this before. Like we've yeah. been doing this for so long and we just thought about doing it. So we were able to map the candidates' cultural preferences, if you like, against the team and see what kind of help we would need to give that candidate to support them in the early part of becoming part of our team and I thought it was a really great tool so it's not how we typically use it but for me it was a big learning about how we can incorporate a cultural lens into our recruitment so it was a great experience for me to do it um, and something that I think we'll do going forward. Yeah it was so interesting wasn't it like to yeah. what that generated and like all of these tools you know they really you can look at them in different ways and they can be used to support companies um in different areas um so yeah very interesting actually that brings us to the end of today's podcast you know we have been exploring the myth that culture begins and ends with global relocation you know the reality is that actually culture impacts us in every part of our lives and we all need to become more culturally agile so i hope that we have given you food for thought and that some or a lot of this has resonated um for you perhaps you're running out to get some etched crystal um <laughs> as ever we want to leave you our audience with a question you know when you look at your business challenges what could actually be down to a cultural difference and what could you do to ensure that you are being culturally aware and culturally agile? So thank you so much for joining us, Joe. It's always a joy, Shaila. And thank you to our listeners uh, for listening. And join us again next time on Culture Talks.